today, moving into our next installment with, with Point Blank, period, talking about strong people are investors. Strong people are investors. So we're going to start, and uh, I'm going to be coming from Proverbs a lot. But before I get there, I got a few things to say. But, uh, but if you are like a I need a scripture to turn to kind of person at the beginning, you can uh, go to Proverbs chapter 11. And you can, you can rest right there for a minute before we, get, uh, before we jump into it. So let's, uh, let's pray before we dive in. Father, we thank you that we're about to embark on this journey in the bread of life. Thank you, God, that this is sweeter than the honeycomb. Your word, your name, and your word. Sweeter than the sweetness we can get from the honeycomb. We receive our strength for life from the word of God. So as we go into this time, we thank you, Father, that you are about to feed us. Let us feast from your word, from your wisdom. You are the great teacher. You are the one that says, I will teach you to profit and show you the way that you are to go. Teach us to profit in these next few moments, God. Instruct us in your ways. Holy Spirit, you are so much more of a better preacher than I am. So much more of a better communicator than I am. So I thank you for using me. Let me say it exactly how you told me to say it God and I thank you Father that everyone will walk away from this moment stronger than when we first came into it God including the one who's holding the microphone I want to be in on it too Jesus I want to be stronger too so make us all stronger together in Jesus name somebody shout amen 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 let's do some work let's do a little bit of work here strong people are investors we invest in people and we give of our resources to the work of the Lord and expect to see a harvest expect to see a harvest just few few quick points to to outline and then of course we, we dive, dive into it strong people are investors God is an investor and expects the same from us Everything that God gets involved in, no matter what God puts his hand to, grows. By, as, a, as a secondary consequence, there is no thought to it. When God places his hand into a life, places his hand into a situation, places his hand into anything that, that his hands touch, and of course, hand is a colloquialism. He doesn't literally have a hand, but we understand what, what, what's being said, that when he gets involved in something, gets involved with someone, it has no choice but to grow and to expand. The word anointing even, thank you, Holy Spirit, means fatness. It, mean, it means fatness. It means growth. So when someone speaks of or talking about the anointing that, that is uh, on a life or someone says that you're anointed when, whenever you do something or you, or you have the anointing of the Lord that's being shown on you, what is being said is that there, there is a visual display that you have grown to this size that you by yourself normally are not. You are anointed. God, God has anointed me and anointed you. And when he does that, he has placed himself on you to where you are bigger than what you actually are. That's, that's, how, that's how the gifts are able to flow and to work within us. And when I'm flowing in my gift and I'm flowing in what it is that God has called me to do, what people are actually seeing is God at work. 
It is God at work through through me. It's God at work through you when they see you in that. And that is something actually that God has invested in us. He has invested his, he has invested gifts within us, but still talking about how when he gets involved with something, how it grows stronger and it, and it bears fruit. It becomes more than what it is. The 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 perfect example for this is the is the story of creation. How he stood out on absolutely nothing. I couldn't imagine how quiet it was. Like we, we really don't get a sense of that quiet here in the earth anymore because we got animals and stuff at night and crickets and frogs and all that. There's always some kind of noise that, that we hear because we are listening to the creation that's been here for a very long time. But before all of that was, there just was absolutely nothing but God. Him in and of himself. And he stands out on the canvas of nothingness. And with the voice of his word begins to project something into the atmosphere. Project something into the universe to where as his word is traveling through the sound frequencies that he created by the very fact that he said something. There was no such thing as a sound until he projected something into the atmosphere. So he projects something into the atmosphere. Sound is born. Creation is born. His voice is riding on the waves of the universe and creating everything that we see before us. And he is investing his words into the atmosphere and seeing the return of creation come before it. Your God is an investor. He's an investor. And he spoke and these universes were born. And they're still ever expanding. Science proves that. That the, that the universe is still today ever expanding. And constantly getting wider and wider as the days go on. And all of that came from the single investment of the seed of the word coming forth from the mouth of God. God is the giver. Of all increase, any increase that, that comes into a life, any increase that I see happening in the earth, it comes because God is the giver of that. So because God is an investor, if the, if the Lord is an investor, he has an expectation on us to live the same way and to be the same way. Since God is an investor, he's equipped us to do the same and he expects a return on the investment. Watch this, that he has made in us. In other words, we are the stock that he has purchased. With the intent and with an understanding that I'm going to buy it low, but I'm never going to sell it, but I'm going to watch it rise high. I'm going to buy it low. I'm going to buy it in its low state. I'm going to buy it in its weak form. I'm going to buy it when nobody else saw anything worth in it. I want it. I want it. Why? Because I got an eye and I see something that is different within this. So, so, so we are the stock that he's invested in. And as an investor, I myself have been called to make things better, to make things stronger than they were. When I, when I showed up. Now, what is the price that was paid for me? The, the investing of his life, the investing of the life of Jesus to ransom mine is what turns me into a new creature. This is so good. So, so God has, has purchased me. God has paid, paid the price 
for, for, for my life. So he pays the price for my life, and he has bought me in my low state. This is coming to me while I'm doing it, so y'all just bear with me. Y'all know how I go. So he paid the price for me in my low state. When he paid the price for me in my low state, the very fact that he even paid the price is what causes my life to go back up in an upward trajectory. Did you see that? It, as soon as he paid the price, the very fact that he paid the price is what installed the value in me and raised up something in me and now put something worthy inside of me. It is the fact that God in and of himself, as soon as he said that you are worth something. See, now it's tying back into what I just said a few moments ago about the power of his word. Whenever his word is spoken to you and spoken over your life, it doesn't matter what has been happening to you up until that point because as soon as what it is that he spoke, to you that immediately shifts your situation and shifts your identity to where now you rest in the power of that word which says that you're worth something it says that you're worth something as soon as the price was paid as soon as he said it is finished it is done it has been completed my value immediately skyrocketed and now I have become something that is worthy something that is worth value something that has an appreciation to it something that has some kind of intrinsic value inside of it that intrinsic value returned to me because I did have it at one point in time when I was made in the image and likeness of God but because of the treason of Adam I lost that value value I lost that value in my perception of myself I lost that value in my perception of who I am to God I lost my perception of how it is that I see myself within the earth and I see myself being engaged within people within within other people but when the price was paid and I accept that price being paid on my behalf my value shoots up my value skyrockets my value goes up to the top and I'm returned back to the top my God that's why he said you need to repent for the kingdom is at hand to repent means to return back to the top you have to return back to a greater way of thinking you've got to return back to the place of dominion you've got to return back to the top and how it is that you think why because this kingdom that God has called us to expand in the earth I cannot expand it when I am still thinking lowly of myself and still thinking in a downward progression as if a price has not been paid the very fact that the price was pay shows the value of what it is that you're trying to purchase if if I if I go to the store and pay a price I show them what it is what the value is worth based on what I am willing to pay based on what I'm willing to pay so the price that was given the price that was paid shows not so much about the price tag of the amount but shows the purchase the, shows the value of what it is that is being exchanged for that price you've got to be worth something for a life to be paid for you the life of the spotless lamb, the life of the lamb of God, the life of the son of God, the life of the one who was the only begotten of the father, the purest of pure, laying out and laying himself out on the cross, stepping out of majestic glory into time, wrapping himself up in flesh, becoming Emmanuel God with us and living a sinless life and taking that sinless life, not so he can brag about it, but so he can hang it on a tree and give it as an offering so that many sons can be raise the glory and the price value of humanity skyrockets back to the place that it's supposed to be your God is an investor 
So he did that with no guarantee that he would get a return. He did that with absolute no guarantee, Pastor, that he would get a return. He did not get a guarantee that I would come back to him and give what it is that he gave to me. That I would fully utilize the price that's been paid. Because if I don't know anything about it, how can I use it? If I have no knowledge of what it is that has been paid for me or the value that's been given to me by the price that has been paid, I cannot live a life up to the standard based on the price that's been paid. I got to know about it. Somebody say, our God is an investor. Our God is an investor. He gave the price of his life and has a right to expect a return. John 12, 24, lest a seed fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. So God planted and invested the seed of his only son. And from, this day, and from that day continues to bring in revenue from that one seed. Think about that. That, that one seed, that one seed that generated and got our entire faith started, still today, he is getting revenue from it. Because our God is an investor. And, and, and in each account of the parable of the talents, each servant was called to come before the master to give account for what had been placed under their care. The master expected some kind of increase. Not so much of quantity, but of quality. Not so much of, of equal amount. He wasn't looking for everybody to bring him back $50,000. He didn't give everybody the same thing to start with. But he did expect some kind of percentage of return. He was pleased with both the ones that got five and got two because they both brought 100% return. Remember? We went from five to ten. We went from two to four. That's still both 100%. And he was pleased with both. He only had a problem and an issue with the one who took the one and did nothing with it. When he took the one that had been invested in his life and out of fear or whatever it was that kept him from doing what it was that he needed to do, when he kept that, that's what caused him to be angry with him and call him a, a, a wicked servant. See, investors have a shared responsibility in the affairs of the earth it, it, it's the kingdom understanding of we impact the earth through our investment of our of our gifts and resources so so god so god is an investor because god is an investor and i've been made in his image and in his likeness he has a right to expect the same thing from me I am to move and to flow in the earth as an investor. I move in, into the earth as, a, as an investor by investing my gifts, my talents, my resources, the revelation that I have, everything that God has given me at my disposal. I use that as an investment as well as using the investment that's been made in me that gave me new life in Christ. The fact that he paid that price, gave me that new life, increased my value. So now I have a shared responsibility in the earth to move and to flow as an investor. We, we tracking, we, we following along with that. So as we, we move along with that, so we have this shared responsibility in the affairs of the earth. As an investor, I understand that, that investments are designed to grow and mature over time. Okay? They grow and mature over time. It's not something that I'm going to put in today and see tomorrow. It's something that's, this, this is something that's going to take time, but I'm flowing in the lifestyle of an investor and I'm flowing in that direction knowing that eventually I am going to see something. As an investor, I understand that blessing and fruit and results are not something that I necessarily see today, but I know that tomorrow is coming. Yeah. 
So because tomorrow is coming, I function in today like tomorrow is coming. I don't live in today as if tomorrow is not coming. I always live from a perspective that I know that every decision that I make today, I will see again tomorrow. The decisions I make with my children, I am going to see them again tomorrow. The decisions I make with myself, I'm going to see tomorrow. The decisions that I make in the relationships that I engage in with other people, with myself, with my, uh, uh, with my personal time, with time, wherever it is that God places me. Everything that I do, I will see it again. So because I know that, which is that kingdom law of sowing and reaping, I will reap what I sow. I have to be watchful of everything that I sow and every opportunity that God, God, that God gives me to sow. And every opportunity that the adversary might put in front of me to sow. Because there will be opportunities to where you will, where there's an opportunity to sow discord. There's an opportunity to sow anger. There's an opportunity to sow resentment. It's always there. So every moment that we're put, that's put in front of us, we have to recognize that this is the moment to where, based on the decision that I make, it's going to impact what it is that I see in my tomorrow. Because it's coming. So I make strategic decisions today and live life a certain way so that tomorrow can be filled with the better and the sweeter. As an investor, this is crucial right here. I, if, you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. As an investor, I am a stakeholder. Okay? As a, as a stakeholder, that is, that is the word that comes from, that's that whole shared responsibility thought. I have a shared responsibility when I have a stake involved in what it is that's happening and what it is that's going on. You being a child of the king and a constituent and son of the kingdom, okay? You are royalty, first and foremost. We're going to talk about that too late. We got a whole lot to talk about as a, as a church family. But I need to just rest, it, rest this thought on you. You are royalty, okay? You are, because I am a child of the king, that makes me royalty. Because I have been brought in to the family of God by the price that has been paid, I am royalty. And as royalty, I have a stake in the affairs of the earth and how things are flowing and moving in the earth. How do I know this? See, this is why, I, this is why we use the term when Pastor Ashley and I were talking about these core values, we use the term investor instead of giver. That's why we use it. We didn't just say strong people of givers. Giving is a part of investing. It is a part of it. But as an investor, I am a stakeholder. I am a stakeholder and I am intricately involved in what it is that is in the movings and happenings of the earth. I'm not just here just to be here waiting on him to ring the alarm of death on me so that I can go back and be the glory. He said that his kingdom was supposed to come and his will was supposed to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Daniel told us that it now is the time for the saints of God to arise and possess the kingdom. If there's a possession of the kingdom and the kingdom of God suffer right and suffer violence and the violent take it by force then that means I have some kind of responsibility and some kind of doings that I'm supposed to be moving and flowing in my life and those decisions being made in the right way so that as those decisions are being made they're made to reap the tomorrow of the kingdom being birthed forth I'm an investor I have a shared responsibility in how I live my life. I have a shared responsibility and I have a vested interest in, in the affairs of the earth. So whether it goes well or goes bad, both will always have an impact on my life. This is how the Bible can say that the earth is groaning and travailing, awaiting the revealing of the sons of God. 
The sons of God, those that have been birthed forth out of the kingdom, they're supposed to possess this, this identity about themselves that causes the entire cosmos to get back in order. That is the kind of power that rests in us when that price was paid. See, that's how that price being paid. There's no song that will ever be written that can ever capture to the fullness the price that has been paid and what has been given to us. It has, what has been given to us is something that is so great and magnanimous that it causes when I sit in that seat of authority and I sit in that place of being in Christ and I move and flow in the earth, it causes the earth around me to move and shift and accommodate itself based on my presence being there not because of how good I am but what has been invested in me and what has been invested in you and of course you will have your enemy that tries to tell you that what's been invested in you is absolutely next to nothing and that's why you don't feel anything and that's why you're still going through the same thing you're going through and here you are praying this same prayer about this same thing again and God didn't hear you again so now you're going to come back to him again once again with this same thing y'all still fighting y'all still got an attitude with each other see I told you this marriage thing ain't going to work I shouldn't have did it again and all of these different thoughts and whatnot that are going forth within you but you need to know and you need to recognize that there's a heavy investment my God, there's a heavy investment and a heavy price that's been made in you. There's a heavy investment that's been made in you and in your life. And because that investment has been made within you, you might not see it, but you stick around long enough and you make the right connections and you make the right hookups with the right people and allow the word of God to get within you and to clean and to purge everything from your life and everything from your mind that will try and keep you thinking on something that the word of God does not say about you. You keep yourself connected and hooked up and you learn about that investment you learn about the investment that's been made within your life and you learn about the price that's been paid and if that kind of price has been paid for me there's got to be something in my life that is worthy of that kind of thing so I'm going to give God everything that I have open myself up to be an investor and be a stakeholder and watch God move and shake in the earth and bring forth his kingdom as an investment that's been made in our life y'all sit down I'm just talking it's an investment that's been made. I am a stakeholder. God has called us as stakeholders in the earth. Uh, Tristan, let me, get, let me go ahead and get the scripture. Psalm 115, verse 16. Just, just help me prove my point. The heavens belong to our God. They are his alone. There is no question. Ownership of heaven is the Lord's. That is why he ain't in a rush to get you there. There's no rush. A lot of our theology in the church centers around me hurrying up and getting out of earth and getting to heaven. Me going to heaven in the by and by. It's not going to be that bad there. Let me just hold on. Let me just do what I got to make it through. That is, that, is not, that is not the thought process and that is incongruent with the life that God has given me. There's no way that kind of price has been paid for me to sit and be scared. That doesn't match. There's no way that kind of price has been paid for me to do that because the heavens belong to our God. He don't need me up there. I'm not ruling and reigning up there. There's one ruler up there and it's been the same for all of eternity and it's not going to change when I get there. I'm going to get in line with the angels and I'm going to worship too for all of eternity because he's so majestic and so awesome and there's, there's no room or space for any kind of uh, clashing of egos, not in heaven. We've seen that before, Pastor, when somebody tried that. And Jesus said that he fell out, he fell out of heaven like lightning. 
Satan tried that, and there's no business with that. There was no gigantic fight in the cosmos between God and the devil. There is no fight. They are not co-equals. Satan is a created being, and he's a created being who has a reservation in hell once everything comes to an end. He is not some co-equal. He is a created being, and he is one that the Bible says that we'll even look at, and when we get to looking at him, we'll say, is this the one? Is this the one? Who caused so many issues and caused so much trouble. He is not a co-equal. And because he's not a co-equal, we are on the greatest team. The heavens belong to our God. They are his alone. But watch this. But he's given us the earth. Mm -hmm. I love how the scriptures just, just back up themselves. All you got to do is read them. Just got to read it. But he has given us the earth. And put who in charge? The heavens belong to our God, and they're his alone. No question. No question there. But he has given us the earth and put us in charge. Heavy investment that's been made in you. Heavy investment. That's how I'm a stakeholder. Because he decreed, look, I got heaven. But I want you to get your template as to how things are supposed to function and flow. I need you to look at how I run heaven. And I need you to rise up in the earth and to take charge. I need you to rise up. And the investment that's been made in you, I need you to generate that same attitude as an investor and as a stakeholder to flow and function in the earth. So we dragging. Earth has been given to the sons of men. And as I move and I flow in as an investor, this is where we're going with Proverbs 11, uh, verse 10 to verse 11. So God has called us as stakeholders in the earth. And we see that he has given us charge in the earth. And this is so powerful. Let's read this. That the blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. But shouts of joy will be heard when the wicked one dies. Next verse. The blessing of favor resting upon the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. But the wicked leaders tear it apart by their words. Go back, go back to verse 10. Let's just rest it there. The blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor. To the entire city. So, so as I recognize what's been invested in me, I accept that investment. It turns me into a new creature. I'm now moving and flowing as an investor. The blessing is on my life because I am the righteousness of God in Christ. So the blessing now rests on my life. Look at what it does. For an entire city. See, we're we still stuck on God just doing menial things. I'm still stuck on God, we ain't going to take care of me. And in being like that, what we don't recognize is that we're forfeiting the blessing of an entire city. An entire city can be shifted by what's in you. 
the blessing that, it, that is on the righteous. Now, when I say in you, I'm not saying me as an individual. Because once again, that's getting back into that me-ism. And that's not what, that's not what God did. That wasn't a price paid just, just for the me to come forward. The price was paid that, that a body, that a group of people, that, that the sons of God would arise. That's why the earth is grown. It's grown and travailing not for a son. It's grown and travailing for the sons. There's a corporateness to this thing. There's a corporate body that God paid a price for to be built and assembled. And as it is built and assembled and raises up, there is strength and favor that is released based on the zip code that those people live in. Shifts an entire shifts an entire zip code. People in our zip codes who don't even love God, don't even care about Jesus. It rests on the entire city. It didn't say the saved of the city. It didn't say the righteous of the city. This thing hits and impacts everybody. And you know what that'll do? That'll make them make a decision on the fact of whether God is real or not because there's something that is coming that is so magnanimous and so powerful and so wonderful that it will demand a shift and demand man a change to happen within them to where they recognize that how I've been living I might not need to be that way anymore and how the decisions I've been making I might need to start making better decisions because there's something in my city there's someone in my city who is greater and bigger based on his people that he has placed in it and releasing the strength and favor to this entire city strong city We're going after something that's bigger than us. So much bigger. So much bigger. Which means we as individuals are so much bigger than what it is that we presently see. Because if, if, if the, if the, the uh, corporate structure is going to have a, such a vastness to it to where it's able to do something like this, that means the individual pieces that are coming to make that corporateness have to have some sense of weight to them. Which means if I have that, I got to make sure that I am seeing that. Gosh, I love how, I love how perspective just, just weaves its way into every message that has come. Not even from me, necessarily. Perspective. Am, am, am I seeing myself right? Or am I seeing myself just through the lens of problems and issues and circumstances, stuff that's not going right? Because if I let myself look and dwell on that too much, I will lose sight of the fact that God has called me to impact a city. He's called me to impact a city. Give me that next verse, Tristan. Let's read it again. No, the, the verse 11. Yeah. The blessing of favor resting upon the righteous influences a city. Influences a city. Think about that. Let, let that rest in your heart for a moment. Influence is a city. God, God will take those whom the city may throw away. Whom others may throw away and not see a lot of value. Not see a lot of something. Take those who are hidden. Take those who are not known. Take those who are, who are hidden in secret. Take those who are hidden in plain sight. And lay something upon them. Lay the blessing of favor upon them. That causes an influence to where decisions are being made 
in the city. Decisions are being made by those who sit in seats of power because of being influenced by someone that they don't know, but that someone is righteous and has a blessing of favor on their life. An influence to an entire city. Go ahead and roll with the next one, man. Investors embrace the lifestyle of generosity. This is my next point. Lifestyle of generosity and being a giver. Uh, one who finds joy in releasing what God has put in their life so that the world around them and the people around them can be what's called appreciated, which means incre increase in value. So as, as I flow as an investor and embrace the lifestyle of giving and being a giver, it causes an appreciation or a swelling of the increase of value of those who are around. So those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. Next one. People will curse the businessman with no ethics, but the one with a social conscience receives praise from all. Go back to verse 25. That that one said. Yeah, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. That is such a good mantra for life. You want to know how to be blessed? There you go. Written out as plain as it can be understood. If I want to live a life to where I am blessed, live a life to where I am constantly connected to the resources of God and I am not concerned with uh, one source of income or this one thing being able to provide. If I'm wanting to live a life to where I know I am always connected to the resources of heaven and God will never allow me to be completely taken out and completely overwhelmed and overburdened. Here it is right here. Living it live to bless others. I, I, I live from the place of identity where I am looking for an opportunity to be a blessing. So I, I love the saying of I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing because God is not going to bless me to sit back and do nothing with the blessing. That is a waste and that is a terrible investment. Amen. If I'm going to invest blessing in you, what are you going to do with the blessing? What are you going to do with the anointing? What are you going to do with the more? If I'm going to give you more and increase something in your life, then I've got to make sure that you possess the right heart to where once you get that more, you will function like me. Because if you're not going to function like me and you're going to move and flow into building your own kingdom and constructing your own thing but trying to place my name on it as if I gave you that for you to be selfish, I cannot allow you to have the more. Not from me. So that's why the, that we said the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. It is the Lord's blessing that when it's added, it brings richness without that sorrow. Because people, people get rich a lot with, without God. But there's a sorrow that's attached to it. So, 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 so I'm the one. I'm one that God can trust as a funnel for his goodness to flow through. This is someone who, who lives like this. Those who live to bless others and they have these blessings heaped upon them. The ones that God can trust as a funnel for his goodness to flow through. 
And if one can be trusted to live life and hold a heart posture that has the condition of his neighbor in mind, and there's nothing that God won't place in his hands. You, do, do you realize that everything that God places, every situation and circumstance that God places us in, everything that's happening is a test of the heart. It's a test of the heart. It's to check my heart posture and see where I'm at. And if I'm able to have my heart posture checked in the right way and I respond with the God in me, it is showing God that I'm able to be trusted with the more. It shows him I'm able to be trusted. And as I'm able to be trusted, there is nothing God will not let me have. There's nothing that God won't have me be able to have access to. And that's how I'm literally able to have access to anything because I possess that heart that God's looking for. And every day and in every way, the Lord is always looking to shape that heart so that it's able to be trusted. So I, so I know as an investor, as I'm one that embraces the lifestyle of generosity. And, and when you think about investment, most of the time it's, it's thought about within the terms of, of stock market and money and things like that. And when one invests like that, they invest for the purpose of getting a return. But as an investor in the kingdom, I know that there is a return coming. But my primary motivation for my giving and lifestyle is not to get. Amen. See, that's key. Amen. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to work the system and manipulate God because I want him to do something for me. See, that's a heart posture. And if I flow and operate in that kind of heart posture, the Lord sees that. The Lord is the only one that sees the heart. So when he sees that, it, it withholds this from being able to happen. Because then I'm not living to bless others. I'm living because I got a need. And I heard that if you serve, God will give you more. But that's the, that's the wrong heart posture. We can't have that. Remember, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Lord himself said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive for the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many and if you want to display greatness in your life you've got to be able to be the servant of all you know that the ultimate sign of love is a willingness to give i cannot say i love and i have no investment of giving I haven't given at all. Or I haven't given in any kind of way. I can't say I love someone or love this organization or whatever. And there is no connection as to my giving. It is my giving that gives the track record that shows that what I'm saying about my love is true. How do we know this? The most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave. To, to show and to display the love that I have. I'm not just going to write it in a book. I'm going to give his only begotten son. That whosoever believe will not perish but have, but have everlasting life. And, and, and in order to see the real potential of being an investor break forth in my life. There's one core principle that we haven't talked about, but there's one core principle that God has given to us to exercise that gives me guaranteed success that, that I will be able to flow and move as an investor. And that is diligence. So I need uh, everybody to turn to Proverbs chapter 12. I'm going to spend, spend a few moments going from Proverbs 12 to Proverbs 13, or you can just follow on the screen. So we're going to talk about the power of diligence and the perspective of diligence right quick. So investors invoke the power of diligence 
in, in their life, which is doing, this is a definition I heard before, doing a little thing a long time until something big happens. Investors invoke the power of diligence, doing a little thing a long time until something big happens. Something will always, something always outweighs nothing. Every time. Something always outweighs nothing. If you do nothing, you are at the bottom. If you do something, you have just stepped up. Well, my something ain't big. Is it something? I'm not talking about how big it is. I'm asking, is it something? Something in and of itself has weight. And it always outweighs nothing. If I'm going to do nothing, then I have no chance. But if I will get up and do something, if I get up and make some kind of move, if I get up and make some kind of decision, if I make some kind of decision to progress forward, if I make some kind of decision to step forth, to step up to the plate, then I've just beat, then I've just beat the nothing. And that always outweighs. Take, taking some kind of step in motion forward and walking out the purpose and the plan of God that God has for our life. Because remember, God gives reward based, God gives reward based on the diligence that is applied to seeking him. Hebrews 11 verse 6. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. When I apply that diligence in seeking him, it brings forth and births reward. So I have to have that diligence in, in, in doing something. Don't, don't let the enemy talk you out of the little time that you spend with God as if it doesn't mean anything. Now, do we want to increase it? Absolutely. But I need you to do something. I need you to do something. A verse. A song. A prayer. Something. I have to keep the weight of something around. Because if I lose the something and flow into nothing, I really have nothing going forward within myself. So, so we, we need not beat ourselves up over the fact that we need to spend more time and we need to read the scriptures more. And we need to pray with our family more. And we need to do devotions and we need to do this and need to do that. Those things are there and they'll always be there. But as long as there is a something that is around and there's a something that is in, that is in the game, there's some kind of skin that's still in the game I got a chance and I've got some kind of forward progression moving toward me being a person of diligence because I'm able to do something and I'm doing this little thing a long time until something big is able to happen now let's rock into, uh, into pro Proverbs go ahead and give me that thank you Paul the hand of the diligent the little thing long time until something big happens will rule Every time. But the lazy man will be put to forced labor. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. But diligence is man's precious possession. His precious possession. In, in Proverbs 13 verse 4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The soul of the lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. See, diligence is that one factor that separates 
someone from another. See, this, this, this is how we know. So, so every, everybody's got hands. Everybody's got a head. Everybody's got heart. Everybody's got a mind. Everybody's thinking. Everybody's flowing and moving. And everyone is gifted. God has gifted everyone in, in some kind of way. However, those that have desire, if I have desire and I am I, am I, am I am identified as a lazy man, I will desire and get nothing in return for it. But it says the soul of a diligent person, somebody that moves and flows in the sense of I've got these desires, I've got something moving and going inside of me, but i got to do something with that because I, I, I am an investor, someone that's got a vested interest in the earth. So because I have a vested interest and diligence is my precious possession, as I flow in the something, I'm doing something every single day to push me forward in the plan and purpose that God has declared over my life. What God told me is supposed to come forward. What God told me is supposed to happen. If God laid that business vision in you, if God laid that dream in you, you, if God laid these things within you and invested that in you, you have got to tap into the power of diligence so that your soul is able to be made rich, so that you're able to use that precious possession and move forward and progress in what it is that God, that you said that God told you is supposed to come to pass. You got to do something. I've, I've, got, I've got to do something. Every single day, I've got to flow and move in a way to where diligence is able to be displayed. I've got to be that, the one that has that, that will and that drive to get up and to do something, to put some kind of work with my faith so that the tremendous results that God has promised is able to come forward and break forward within my life. Now, let us make this clear. It is not coming forward so that I can build my own kingdom. We already established that. I'm not I'm not trying to get him to just blow me up and make me famous so everybody can look up at me and have a shining light on me so that I can have all my insecurities taken care of so that somebody can clap for me. That is not what's happening because this thing is bigger. Cities are on the line. Families are on the line. So we need people of diligence to arise up in the power of the kingdom and what it is that has been established within their life so that our city can be shifted and changed. That's why we need you to be diligent. Because of what's been invested in you. The city's on the line. So we need what's been invested inside of you. We need you to rise up in diligence and rise up with a sense of do something. I'm not going to allow my enemy to push me back into, into a corner of isolation and a corner of lackadaisical stillness to where I'm not doing anything. I've got to get myself up, make some kind of movement, make some kind of first step, make some kind of first notion, make some kind of forward progression that shows that I might not be moving as fast as I want to. I might not have graduated in the time that I wanted to. I might not have had all these things happen in the time frame that I set out, but thanks be to God that that there is a step that is being made forward. Thanks be to God that there's some kind of progression that is being made forward. Thanks be to God that there is some kind of forward movement that is happening. Because as long as something is happening, it always outweighs nothing. The time I take about complaining about the more something that I wish I had, I could be making some kind of movement. But I've now taken that time and mismanaged it and invested it in the wrong way. 
So we have to make sure that we always carry the understanding that diligence is, 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 a, is a weapon that the Lord has given to us within our life. Let me bring this thing to a close. I know we, we've been rocking and rolling for, for a little while. Perspective of diligence. Investors invoke the perspective of diligence, which is me seeing opportunity where others see problems. Finding the opportunity in everything. Let's roll through these right quick. Give me uh, 12, uh, ver- chapter 12, verse 11. Y'all know I get happy when I get up here, but I'm trying to, trying, trying to bring it too close. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. Stay right there, uh, uh, Tristan. Go, go back to that. Tills his land. He who tills his land. Tills mean, means cultivates. Cultivate means uh, 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 develop. Develop, produce, to, to, to make prepared. So he who makes his land prepared for what's coming will be satisfied with bread. But he who follows frivolity or just follows the, the winds, follows whatever it is that's happening, follow however it is he feels, he is devoid of understanding. So he who tills and cultivates his land will be satisfied with bread. The investment mentality that puts the work of developing and cultivating what I already have what I already got. So I'm not complaining about what I got. I'm not upset about what I got. I have looked at it understanding that it has been given to me as an investment. So what I got, I'm going to take it and I'm going to build on it. I'm going to prepare. I'm going to dig. I'm going to get it set and straight as much as I can so that when the blessing comes, when opportunity makes its way come to me, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be ready for it. So, so it's cultivating the land so that the blessing that is supposed to produce the land is actually in position to be able to do so. In the time that I might spend uh, 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 complaining about what it is that I don't have, I could have been working and, get, and getting my land prepared so that when the opportunity came, I was actually ready for the something that I told God I wanted. I am shocked by people who take that time to be complaining and in complain mode and then when opportunity arises, they can't see it because they've been complaining. Too busy wallowing around in the sorrows of your yesterday. I'm sorry it happened to you too, but what are you going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to continue to whine and wallow in the sorrows of what happened to me as bad as it was? Or am I going to allow God to give me diligence and give me some kind of forward progression, some kind of weapon I can use to make my days better and make the latter better better than the former? I have to allow God to give me that so that I can move forward in that because those kind of people shift the city. That's how this thing is accomplished. They shift the city. So give me 1323. Yes, sir. Thank you. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice, there's waste. Now let, let's let's compare these two. So Proverbs 12:11 said that he who tills his ground, tills his land. When, whenever go go back for me, uh, Tristan. I, I can't hear me. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. Now give me the next one. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor. So you got two. You got two people. They both got ground. They both got ground. One has tilled his land. 
He's gotten it prepared and gotten it ready. He's satisfied with bread. You got this one. There's much food in the fallow ground of the poor. So let's say the poor, the poor has this ground. The, the rich have this ground. Or the one with diligence has this ground. The one with diligence has this ground. The poor has this ground. The poor man with a lack of diligence has food in his ground. But because of his lack of diligence, he can't see it. He cannot see what is actually around him that he's spending his time crying out to God for and crying out to God about that he's actually got around him. But because of my lack of sight and my lack of perception from, from me not having diligence, now I cannot see what I actually already got. I got a lot of food around me. I got a lot of resources around me. I got a lot of blessing and a lot of favor that's actually resting on my life right now. But because I'm in complaining mode and not in diligence, I'm unable to to see what it is that God really has given to me. There's much food that's in the fallow ground of the poor, the, the, the uncultivated ground. You can replace that word fallow with uncultivated. So, so, so me not having the sight of diligence will cause me to be in a rich land and I can't see it. Starving. Starving when I don't have to. Because I can't see it. Everyone has somewhere that they can cultivate. Everybody's got something. But having that eye of diligence from the perspective that diligence gives us will allow me to be able to find something that's hidden. So it, so it causes me as an investor to look in and dig for the opportunities for God to be able to move and shift on something that I haven't been seeing right. First, then it empowers me to be able to look at others who are facing the same situation, who look at themselves as they are worthless, have nothing to give, have nothing that God has invested inside of them and gives me a sharp eye to say, no, that's not true. Let's look and let's examine a little bit further on what it is that God has invested inside of you because the investment came from God and then come from you. So because it came from God, that means we know that we can trust it. All we got to do is apply the eye of diligence and be able to find what it is that God is investing inside of you. Now, what it is that God's investing inside of you, you might not think of it a whole lot. You might think not think um, very much of it and you might not think that it's something that's worthy because I let society and TV tell me what it is that's good, what it is that's famous, what it is that's going to be acceptable, what it is that's going to be a blessing, what it is that's going to be something that's going to rise my life higher as if they know what blessing is. TV does not know what blessing is. BET does not know what blessing is. Television channels and, and social media cannot tell me what blessing looks like. I have to go to the source and allow the price that's been paid for me to shift my perception so that diligence is able to be applied to my life and I can find what God has invested in me and treat it like the investment that it is. There's something that's been invested. And applying diligence allows me to use the eye of diligence the way I can see it for what it is. God has given everyone something. But we have to apply that eye of diligence to find it. Give, give me my last scripture, man, and I'm, and I'm done. 
give me, uh, yeah, verse 30. Thank you. This is Proverbs 24. I went by the field of a lazy man. These set of scriptures, boy, just be rocking. And by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface, go, go back. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. Back to verse 31, Tristan, please. There it was all over growing thorns. The surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. So this person has gone to a field of a lazy man. Lazy man's field. So lazy man owns a field. Man with no diligence has something in his possession that if he saw it right, could be a blessing to him. First, that's the first thing I want to make out. And there was all overgrown thorns, his uh, surface covered with nettles, his stone wall was broken down. Nettles, if you do research on nettles, nettles actually have a medical component to them. But this man cannot see that because he has no diligence. So there he is with something in his field that is a blessing, but he can't see it. Because diligence has not been applied. And see, when, when, when I have a life of diligence, and go, go to that next verse for me, Tristan, 32. When I saw it, I considered it well, and I looked on it, and I received instruction. When I have a sense of diligence, I'm able to look at even the worst of situations, be it in my life or being in the life of someone else. I'm able to look at it from a perspective to where I'm able to consider it well or consider it in a sense to where how is it that I can learn from this and what is it that the Lord is able to give from me and I'm looking on it and I'm receiving instruction. That is, that is showing that there is proof that there's some kind of diligence that goes forward within your life. Don't let situations and things come into your life and you not learn nothing from it. If it's going to happen to you and it's going to happen, happen in your life, allow God to give you some kind of instruction and some kind of life lesson to where you are not only able to engage that and take that for yourself, but whenever God brings someone around you, you are able to say, I know him to be faithful and I know him to be, to be one to bring me out and I know him to be a provider. Let me tell you how God was able to use that situation to move and transform my life. I'm able to look at it and receive some kind of instruction because I am diligent because I have been called as an investor. As, as an investor, I consider well everything that is happening with me. Now, I consider it well in the sense of I, I study it, but I also consider it well. In the sense of where my joy is never taken from me. Because it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because my soul's identity and condition is never shifted by what's happening around me. So I consider it well. And I look on it and I receive instruction. As an investor, I work diligence to my advantage. And I'm always looking to be someone that God trusts with his favor and goodness so that I can put someone else in a place of advantage. I live to glorify God and bless his people. And as a result, my life is blessed and favored by him. We are, I'm closing, I'm, I'm done after this statement. Strong people are investors. 
because those are the ones that can be trusted to move and shift the city. Now, our mantra, yeah, you can play with me, Ryan. Strong people build strong families who build strong communities and build strong city. That's the model that, that we follow here. When you come here and you receive the instruction of the word of God, it should be building you as an individual. And as you eat from it, you should feel a strength rising. And as you do that, you take it back to your family. Your family that you live with in your household and your extended family. You take it back. And then it, strength, it strengthens there. And then the community that you have an address in, it strengthens there. And then from there, we get to shift and move an entire city with the blessing that rests on us. Strong people are investors. He has called us to invest. To have a vested interest. To have a sense of care and concern about the community and the world around us. Why? Because of so much that's been put in you. It can't, it can't just stay with you. It can't. It, it, it can't achieve what it's supposed to, to the fullness, if it just stays with you. He gave it to me to give away. It's a whole, that's the whole reason I got it. And if I ever lose that, I'm in trouble. Because I'm about to be called on the carpet to give account as to why I'm not using it like I'm supposed to. We are investors here at this church. And we invest not to get a return. Saturday, June 1st, we're going to invest in the city. And we're going to give. And some of those folk I know, we'll, we'll never see them. But it doesn't matter. want to invest in you. Because you're part of this community. And we are too. So we want to invest in you. And let you know that we're here. We're present in your community. Praying for you. We're present in your community. Believing that the Lord will cause a light to shine in your soul and that one day we will see you or see you somewhere embracing the kingdom and having your soul ransomed to life but we are investors here and point blank period we make no bones about it and we're unapologetic about it we will always invest and we know that because we possess the heart of God he'll make sure that the blessing rest on our life that's it family that's, that's all I got there so Lord we thank you we thank you for your word thank you that you have made us stronger you have called us to be investors so God we pray right now that you would give us opportunity to be diligent this week and to allow diligence to flow in our life and the something to always be around us we can do something we can always do something there's never a time where we are not in a situation where we cannot do something. Something's always available. I might have to think a little bit on it as to what it is, but something's always available. And as long as I got something, I got a chance for forward progression to be happening. And I have a reason to make sure that I'm always grateful and appreciative because you always give me something to do. And so, Lord... I bless your people. Pray, God, that your face will shine upon them. Establish them. Give them peace. Give them grace. Give them a strong week. Strong time in your presence, Lord. Call something so ridiculous 
to happen in their life, God. Cause your favor to shine upon them in such an awesome way that they're able to just give you and you alone the glory. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Amen. That's our service, family. We will see you next week. Love you. Oh, got an announcement. Mothers, there's something in the kitchen for you. So make sure uh, you go, go and uh, take care of that and bring some to, you know, share. All right, just kidding. <laughs> Mother, mothers, make sure before you leave, you go ahead. Y'all go ahead and take care of that. All right. God bless you.
always the easiest thing to do, but I will wait on you. Oh, yes. I will trust in you. Hands and receive Bishop James Morton.